Welcome to the LMTP Low Man on the Totem Pole podcast. We are your tough love work friends walking you through your workplace or work from home woes and spurring you on to your own personal career highlights reel. I'm your co-host, corporate trainer and chronic under-asker, Katie McDonald. And as always, your host, coaching and development consultant, author of Low Man on the Totem Pole, stop begging for a promotion, start selling your genius, who, like the spelling bee champ she is, appreciates when people spell it out for her, Heather MacArthur is on the line with us today. And yay! Joining us today, I am thrilled to introduce business lawyer at Carlisle Patchen and Murphy LLP and director of the American Negotiation Institute, who's been training like Rocky for this his whole life, Kwame Christian. Kwame, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you're you're definitely going to class us up for us, and uh, <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Kwame uh, uh, and I met. Gosh, maybe it's been about two years ago now. He he was nice enough to have me on his podcast uh, with uh, the Negotiate Anything podcast, which was really great. And uh, we've I've just been following him on LinkedIn ever since, and we've been able to do an article together. And he's he's got a lot of content available um on linkedin that he's sharing and videos and just a, a lot of cool stuff he's do- doing but we were we were recently and i thought this was really great for our show to to t- talk about this because we were on the phone just chatting about stuff and um you know he he offered you know if if you know helping me out with things and and i just kind of was going through the conversation and, um, and, you know, and then he started asking about what I was doing over at Forbes and the articles that I'm writing. So I, you know, I told him, oh, this is what I'm up to. And, you know, it never dawned on me that, you know what, this would be a good time to introduce him and, and get him connected over there. And finally, like after, at the end of the conversation, he spelled it out for me. He was like, you know, hey, can you, have you, could you connect me with somebody over there? Is that a possibility? And it, the light bulb just went off and I was, I was thinking like, oh, yeah, I could have been thinking about that a, 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 a while ago. And why wouldn't that dawn on me to even make that connection? And I realized how much I probably don't throw that invitation out to folks. But then I then it got me thinking about this idea. We've talked about being resourceful, uh, but the you know that side of being good at asking for what you want. And uh, so I I'm I'm gonna throw it over to to Kwame. First of all, welcome to the show, and um, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on. Just because you did it so well, you know, what your thoughts are and asking for what you want. Yes. Well, I am excited about this. And um, my my goal at the end of this is for Katie to no longer be a chronic under asker. That Ooh. is my <laughs> that is my goal. Low key, that's my goal too. So I'm really thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, cool. Yeah. So this is this is something that I'm really passionate about. And I think the name of my podcast says it all. Negotiate anything. We we can negotiate anything and we really should. Um, I was between negotiate anything and negotiate everything. But I think anything just <laughs> it's a bit smoother. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I, we should just start off with this. My My motto here is that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. And when you start thinking about life in that way, you start to realize, wow, all of the most meaningful things in my life 
um, there's been a, a difficult conversation somewhere in the vicinity. And the, our, our level of success in these difficult conversations is going to have a significant impact on the, the quality of life and the kind of life we live. So um, I'm really passionate about this because I believe that um, by helping people to have these difficult conversations, we're putting them in a position for them to live the best version of their life. And I, I, I love that concept. And I actually love that you picked negotiate anything versus negotiate everything, because to a certain extent, negotiate everything feels like a mandate. And <laughs> it, like you're telling me, negotiate everything. And then I, I would honestly hear that and go, all right, pushy, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not looking to go in there and like, okay, hardcore. And I just imagine like the salesman with the gold chains and like, the hey, open collar plus. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that style choice, but. Um, but when you say negotiate anything, what I love is that just kind of opens up as like, can you like, well, I guess that does apply. Oh, that does apply over there. That does apply. I mean, kids know that they can negotiate anything. Um, so I, I love that. That's the, that's the take that you, uh, went with. And I, I think like when it comes to this asking for what you want, um, I was thinking about, and I don't like to have to put, you know, put labels on things, but I'm often brought in to do negotiation classes for women because there's this concept that supposedly they don't negotiate as much. And, you know, and I, I as a woman, I go, we don't, cause I, I always thought we did cause I always do. Um, but I think in terms of asking for what you want, whether it's women, I've coached men who, who, who struggle with this as well. And some of it is being direct about asking for what you want. I see a lot of people kind of beat around the bush and waiting for someone to kind of pick up the clues so that they're not uncomfortable. Like, why do you think, you know, cause you said that the best things are on the other side of uncomfortable conversations. Why do you think asking for what you want kind of comes up as uncomfortable for people a lot of times? Mm. Oh, this is great. The question I have for you is how deep do you want me to go? How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> question and and it's going to be different for different people but i think really the the central thing is confidence that's why my book and my ted talk both have the name finding confidence in conflict because a lot of times when it comes to negotiation strategies we are giving recipes to people who are afraid to get in the kitchen it doesn't really matter if you know what to do or how to negotiate if you're too afraid to do it so we have to build up people's confidence and figure out what their personal barriers are. It's usually something psychological or emotional. Um, and I think people who have that kind of people-pleasing mentality, they're afraid of, of ruffling feathers, and so they decide to hold back. But what I want people to recognize is that conflict is an opportunity. All of these difficult conversations provide us with unique opportunities. And so the question is, where is the opportunity? It's an opportunity to strengthen relationships, an opportunity to get more of what we want, opportunity to learn, solve problems. It, the list goes on and on. And so we, we have to think about it kind of through this psychological lens. As, as animals, we're constantly evaluating our situations, asking ourselves, should I approach or avoid? Approach or avoid? And if we focus only on the threats associated with difficult conversations, we're going to avoid. And um, avoid means either we completely avoid having the conversation or... Or if it's a conversation where we can't avoid it completely, we are not as engaged and we pull back and we don't ask for what we want in the conversation. So I want people to think about it more positively, recognizing that these are opportunities. And when you train yourself to see these everyday interactions as opportunities, then you're going to start to lean into them and have them more often. 
I, I and you know it's it's funny is I because I've been thinking a lot since our last conversation because I'm like why what, what was that that was interesting for me is that you asked and I thought oh my gosh why wasn't I thinking about that in the first place but you asked in such a way that it was confident it wasn't hesitant it wasn't pushy it was just as if you were asking can you pass the sugar you know and and that's kind of what we're asking when we're asking for opportunities pass me some sugar <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think of my, I've got this friend Erica who is phenomenal and ever since I've known her you know in my early 20s and um she is someone who we'll go places and we could we could be at, at a bar and people will be buying us free drinks and it's not because she's She's going in there. She's a gorgeous woman, but it's not because she's just going in there and like using her physical attributes. Even it's that she'll just. Say, I think you want to buy me a drink, and they'll. I think I do. And, and people, <laughs> but she. What I always say is, she brings the gift of fun. So no matter what, anytime she's asking for stuff, there's always an. I always say things are in exchange, and I'm like, no matter what, you're, she brings so much joy and fun and spontaneity to everything that she does. So. But she'll often say like, well, you know what? You got to ask if they say no, you know, no harm, no foul, but you got to at least ask. And I always think about that. I think one, she's not afraid of rejection. So if they say no, she does not like, she doesn't, you don't see her take that in at all. She just, and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't hound anybody. She just, okay, go left. She's not interested. I'll go, go this different direction. Um, so she's not afraid of rejection and she doesn't feel like that is, I feel like there's this, this fear of rejection, like you said, the threat aspect of it. And then that fear. And I think I have that when I, when I think to, I didn't grow up asking people for stuff. I, I grew up thinking you got to do it yourself, which is sometimes why I don't think to offer for others. Um, and, and so that, that idea that somehow it's bad to just ask for help or ask for what you need. So how do you navigate that? Or how do you coach clients through that? Yeah. So th this is, again, it's all about mindset. It's all about mindset. And I can't just say, hey, get over it, reject, get over the rejection, because rejection actually hurts. And um, I, I'm a psychology nerd. My undergrad degree is in psych, so I love bringing up studies whenever I can. Um, and they actually did studies to show that re the pain associated with rejection is almost uh, interpreted by the body as a physical pain. So oh. analgesics actually reduce the pain of rejection which is crazy, right? That, so that's how real the pain of rejection is to people. And you think about it, it makes sense from an evolutionary psychology perspective, because if you're rejected from the group in back in the day in your early tribes, you're dead. <laughs> you can't survive by yeah. yourself. And so that's why the pain of rejection is so, so, so powerful. So I can't just say, hey, get over it. But I can say, think about it a little bit differently. And so we have to lean into it. There's no real way around it. We have to lean into it. And so in my book, Finding Confidence in Conflict, what I do is I, I bring in the, the fundamental tenets of cognitive behavioral therapy. And I think about the fear of negotiation and the fear of conflict, just like any other phobia. There, there are proven strategies for this. And one of the things you could do is exposure therapy. Constantly expose yourself to the, the fearful stimuli, and then you're going to become desensitized to it over time. Because once you expose yourself to it more and more often, you recognize, hey, I did that scary thing and it wasn't that bad. I did that again and I'm, I'm, I'm still here. I did that and hey, the person's not mad at me. I had the conversation that I've been avoiding and it went so well. Or it didn't go well. They said no and I'm still fine. And in fact, I learned something important during the process. So now, even though they couldn't help me solve my problem, I'm in a better position to solve my problem myself. And so I suggest that people engage in what I call rejection therapy. Instead <laughs> of 
spearing these conversations. I want you to go out and collect some L's. You're you're too focused on getting these wins and you're letting the fear of failure hold you back. No, you need more failures um, because if you're not failing, you're not trying. <laughs> mm. And so I say you need to start asking for things that you don't think you have any right to in very low level situations. So an example was I remember one time I was at a, a coffee shop and they they knew it was my birthday. So they gave me a free pastry and I was mentoring um, a, a student who wanted to go to law school. And I said, hey. My, I know, thank you for this pastry, but can my mentee have a free pastry too? And she said, well, I don't know. I, I'll have to ask your man, my manager. I said, well, can you ask your manager? <laughs> she goes and asks the manager, boom, he gets a free pastry too. And then on the coupon, it, on, the, on the receipt, it says miscellaneous discount. I was like, wait, what? And so then you start to ask yourself, what are the things that I've been missing out on my entire life? <laughs> what could my life have been like if I could just ask for stuff and just get it? That's insane. And so you start to get a peek at the life that you could be living. And it's it's really exciting. That is amazing. Katie, come on. I got to I gotta hear what your thoughts are. I mean, on... the, the free pastries uh, <laughs> are a draw for me, just kind of getting me out of the uh, chronic <laughs> under-asking <laughs> Uh, <laughs> mindset. But uh, the first takeaway, I just want to call out that probably if we're going to get in, put ourselves in a position to collect these L's and put ourselves out there in these small kind of inconsequential experiments of, you know, asking for what you want. It sounds like because there's certain analgesic properties to safeguarding yourself, you should pop some ibuprofen before you go into these. <laughs> Listen, if it's that bad, do what works for you. Okay. But don't get hooked on that stuff. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> Nothing stronger than some over-the-counter Advil. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, and then that said, what do you recommend to somebody who, I mean, I'll attack this from the, uh, from the confidence perspective. I walk in with this mindset that like, what am I bringing to this equation? Heather brought up the, uh, the example of her friend, Erica, who brings fun to the party. Am I in a better position to start even collecting these little L's in these inconsequential scenarios by asking myself, okay, or telling myself I'm going in with this, this, and this, should I be making an inventory of what I'm bringing to these, even these little conversations to start myself out slow? You should and you can, but I wouldn't want people to take that as an excuse not to engage in the moment, though, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people overthink things, not because it leads to a more coherent strategy, but it's really another manifestation of, of fear. I'm going to sit here and think and think and think and think and think because <laughs> it's safer to think than to do. Um, so I'll, I'll put that out there, too. And just in general, I'll, I'll give a, a free gift to all of your listeners. Uh, if they go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, they can get access to over 15 free negotiation guides that can help them to systematically prepare to for all of their negotiations. So salary negotiation guide, conflict resolution, negotiation guide for introverts, car negotiation guide, um, all these things, it, all for free um, at, at that website. It's the easiest way to, to build your confidence because competence breeds confidence. The more prepared you are, the more confident you'll feel. And the more confident you feel, the more likely you are to take action. Because 
confidence is really an it's it's tantamount to an emotion um, that that pays significant dividends because not only does it help you to perform better, but it leads you to take more action. And then the fact that other people can perceive your confidence, it changes the way that they interact with you as well. If you if somebody asks you something and they're not confident, really we're saying well. Well, why should I give that to you? It doesn't even seem like you believe you. <laughs> right? Yeah, but, fair enough. <laughs> but if somebody is very confident, then it changes the way that the world interacts with you. So you're shaping the world by taking action. And then by the way you take action, the manner in which you take action, the world bends toward you even more. I I really, I'm digging this. So, but there's, okay, so there's a couple of things popping up in my head. One, when you were talking about get, getting a couple of L's and I realize um, I, 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 I have a concept of glitter against glue, especially when I'm working with people applying for jobs. I'm like glitter against glue. The more you apply, the less you're, you're waiting for that one response. When you're applying to 10 different jobs, you forgot what you applied to. And so the, the, the rejection aspect you're not waiting for that one response. And if that response comes back as a no, your whole week is just wasted, right? But if you're throwing it out there and you're going in different different areas and you're just going, you know, making it happen, you're in the flow. You're getting way more L's than, than W's. But because you're out there and doing it, you're in the flow and there's a higher level of confidence. And I see that in interviews. If you do 10 interviews, you're better in that interview when it really, really matters. Even if you didn't get half the jobs that you went out for, um, when you're, so when you're asking for stuff, as much as people should be in the moment, I think what was important when you, when you reached out and you asked about me connecting you, you, when I felt like I was being asked to be part of something, because you're already up to stuff, you're already doing things, you're doing things on your own behalf. There's a movement, even if you were, you know, I met you well into what you're doing, but if I had, if I had met you in the beginning stages, I would imagine I would still be getting the sense of momentum about you that I get to be a part of that versus I've also seen situations where people are sitting there not doing anything and it's the woe is me and it's help me because I can't help myself. And then it's, then it's, I've got to do all the work for you versus you're making it easy because I throw in, I I threw in an email and (laughs) that's it. Like, that's all I really had to do because you were up to stuff. I didn't have to you know, walk you through every single thing or do all the work and make something happen for you. And so when it comes to that concept, as much as people need to be in the moment, how can we help people be in the moment while being in the midst of making stuff happen for themselves? Ooh, this is so good. Here's what I would say is that we need to recognize when persuasion begins. That's the first thing. And so I don't look at negotiation like a, as, as a tool or a skill. I look at negotiation like it's a life philosophy. That's what it is for me. And so I filter every single interaction through this lens of negotiation. And so with every negotiation, what's the goal? There are three goals. Get more of what I want, avoid things that I don't want, and strengthen relationships. And now in the majority of our conversations, these super low level conversations that can still be classified as a negotiation, I'm maybe not trying to get what more of what I want. I might not be trying to avoid things that I don't want, but in every single interaction, I am intentional about using negotiation skills to build the relationship. And so really for this ask that came up in, in Forbes, um, in a way I've been negotiating for that since 
2017. Um, mm. Not explicitly, not even explicitly to me, but I think about negotiation as a, a never-ending game of chess. Every time you interact with somebody, your goal is to advance your position in some way. And you're willing to do that. You were willing to help me in this way because you trust me. You 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 trust me because you've seen that I've been able to add value and and be somebody of, of substance and consequence um, over the time that we've known each other. And so that's why personal branding plays a big role in negotiation because your personal brand by itself is persuasive. And mm. so I've been really intentional about that over the course of time. And it makes it easier when I'm making requests because people trust me um, because they've seen me for a long time. And one of my favorite um, ways of looking at trust is with a simple equation. Trust equals time plus value. So the more you spend time with somebody, either directly or indirectly by being part of their network, and now even is becoming more important to be mindful about your social network, how you're presenting yourself online, providing value either directly or indirectly, um, it makes it easier for people to trust. And the thing is, what's funny, Heather, is that even though we've, we've been friends for a couple of years, a lot of the value that I've provided that you've seen that pay that played into you trusting me wasn't value that was directed towards you. You saw me providing value to other people, which makes you trust me more as well. So yeah. all of these things play into making the ultimate request significantly easier when it's time to make that request. I, I, and I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's, you know, I think sometimes um, people, t- the word negotiation has just gotten a dirty rap. And what I love about the three goals that you just listed out there is the, is the last one is that it builds the relationship. And I think that's what people, when I'm, when I'm teaching people anything, when it comes to talking about their salary, when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, just telling someone no, or setting boundaries with somebody, it's, it's that aspect of, it, you don't have to destroy the relationship to do it. If you if you make the relationship actually the and I don't know how you how you talk about it, but kind of the umbrella or the the universe in which this lives, then you will naturally be able to think about what that other person needs. You wouldn't ask for something that puts them in a bad situation. You wouldn't set them up to have to give you something if that somehow puts them at a negative. And I think that's where negotiation gets the bad rap is this idea of I get what I need, regardless of the impact on the other person. And that's, that's not um, what you're um, setting up. And that's not, I know that's not what I practice. And, you know, so I, I'd love, I'm going to throw it over to Katie for a second when it comes to, cause you say you're the under asker. I don't know anybody who's uh, as just generous and kind and good at what you do. And so when you think of all these things, what comes up for you? When, when he describes those three goals, is there anything that you go, that's nice and all, but what about this? Um, well, first of all, I have to say, I feel very seen, uh, Kwame. I'm an under-asker because I'm an overthinker. So I'm taking your note previously <laughs> <laughs> about overthinking, particularly about the value that I'm adding in a relationship. I really love the equation you laid out of trust equaling time plus value. Um, and I feel like kind of intrinsically, a lot of, I, I truly believe all three of us on the line right now, uh, spend the majority of our time investing in those relationships. I mean, if you did a percentage breakout, would you say we're spending 70, 80, 90% of our conversations doing that trust building uh, portion of uh, of the negotiation rather than avoiding the things you don't want and asking for the things you do want? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, you could spend all your time in, in just building the relationship and that could be a successful negotiation. But if you're a chronic under asker, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to think that too heavily because <laughs> you use it as an excuse <laughs> not to ask, you know, and when I think about avoiding things that I don't want, um, maybe at home, it's a chore that I don't like. I don't like cleaning. I'll do a lot of other things, but I don't, I just do not like cleaning. And so in my negotiations, I'm still going to be mindful about the relationship, but avoiding things that I don't want. Yeah. Cleaning is one of those things. Um, <laughs> so I think that's, that's the thing that you want to keep in mind. And another thing, uh, Katie, this could be something that you, that will help you is this, I, I institute a shot clock. And the thing is, the reason I'm, I'm so good at giving this advice is because I've been the Guinea pig. <laughs> like the, the first, 50% of my book, that's that's what it's about. It's all about the psychology of, of building confidence. It, and people are really surprised that it's so psych heavy. But then as they start to read and go through it. They say, oh, it makes sense. You need to get this first. Um, and so the thing is, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so it's, it's really easy for me to to give advice on this because I've, I've lived this. And, and, and it's really the framework that I used on myself <laughs> that I'm giving for other people. <laughs> and so the, what I do is I give myself a shot clock a lot of times. I say, all right, based on the complexity of this situation, I should be able to come to a conclusion within 24 hours. I don't need any more time than that. Or maybe it's just 45 minutes of, of dedicated thought to this problem. And I'm going to write it out and then I'm going to come up with a, a strategy and then I'm going to execute and I'm going to specifically pick a date to begin the execution. And then once it, it's essentially like negotiating with myself, you give yourself terms, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that you can do to, to start to take more committed action if that's one of the things that you do. To really kind of push myself by uh, by saying, okay, this is what I, I mean, part of it is really putting a fine point on what it is that I'm ready to ask for, right? You don't want to go in and not exactly know uh, what it is. I, we were just talking about have about our uh, our kids. Uh, Kwame, I know you've got a four-year-old at home. I've got a twin, almost 15-year-olds coming in here. And uh, back when they were in their, their four-year-old, they would wander into the kitchen and say, I want something. Meaning, I want you to feed me something. Uh, <laughs> and there's a whole uh, other level of conversation and work that I'm now doing on the other side of that conversation to say, okay, well, what do you want? Are you hungry for lunch? Did you already have something and you want something sweet? You know, so we're getting to, will you eat something dairy? Will you eat something meat? What are we, what are we looking at here? Mm -hmm. um, so that doesn't really set a, I, it's fine for a child. You're going to feed a child, but I don't want to water in like a child. I would rather come in with very specific uh, asking points is that part of what you use the shot clock for is really put a fine point on what it is that you want out of this particular negotiation and then what are the types of things that you're doing in that shot clock time by strategizing here's how are you asking here's how I'm going to uh, ask for it here's what I you know here's what I want to kind of offer in return like what goes into that uh, kind of the planning ahead for that conversation as an overthinker. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so, I want some notes. <laughs> no worries. So, this is an overthinker's question for sure. It is. It is. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. The, um, the, the guides that you'll download, uh, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, they help you because it's a systematic approach. You can go through this, this uh, guide and then it'll help you to understand the situation better, understand yourself better, and understand what you want and what they want a lot better. And so you can, it focuses your preparation because what ends up happening 
is that a lot of times we don't recognize the the difference in the quality of thought. So what I mean by that is that they're going through this preparation, creating a strategy, a coherent strategy that involves your overall game plan and your tactics. That's high level thought. Worry is not high level thought. Um, but sometimes we worry as a self-protective measure because we say, if I'm going to go through all of the potential negative things that happen, then I'm going to be more prepared, but it really doesn't help you. And so you have to start to be able to question the quality of your thought and recognize the difference between worry and actual strategy. And so that's going to be one thing, but one of the biggest things you have to do just in general, and this is kind of expanding from this particular situation of difficult conversations to life in general, um, the the way you create a strategy is always going to be the same regardless of the situation. You have to have a very clear understanding of your goal, what do you want and why, and to, to make sure that you're going toward the, the right goal, um, I like to use the Toyota 5Y technique where you ask yourself why five times. So here's the goal. Okay, why is that the goal? And then you keep on going down. And what ends up happening a lot of times is you adjust your goal because you get a better understanding of yourself in the process. And then from the goal, then you can backtrack and create the strategy, the overall game plan. And then once you have the overall game plan, then you backtrack and you figure out what the specific tactics are that you're going to use in order to accomplish your goal. That's it. And again, this could take as long or as short as you want, but for these lower level conversations, you really can go through this process pretty quickly. And if you just take the time and, and focus, ignore your phone, ignore emails, uh, close all the tabs. And what I've always started to what I've started to do is handwrite it makes things a lot easier. I don't I usually don't need more than 45 to 60 minutes to, to get through the process. This is great. So I, I'm 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 going to recap for everybody the the things that just a, just three core things I heard that we should probably get over <laughs> doing <laughs> is getting too focused on the W's, the wins, and getting better at collecting the L's and getting good at learning from those, those losses. Um, the second one I heard is don't overthink it um, and, and just get in the moment and ask for things. Pastries are uh, just a, a bountiful and waiting for us um, <laughs> and for our friends. And, and the third one is definitely use, be, be thoughtful, but not, not to the point where you're really just using fear as a way to keep you from taking action. That, 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 that idea of I'm, I'm actively being, you know, I I guess I think of it as creative of, oh, what do I want to do here? And there's a, there's a kind of a excitement about it versus what could all go wrong and how do I prevent it from being wrong? And I think that's the, the, the hole that we go down. I'd love to target this on two topics that I think kind of negotiation is extremely important. And they also tend to kind of bring up the, the, these, these kind of issues that we're talking about. And one is just the word networking is going out there and, uh, you know, asking for what we need and connecting with people and building this network. And I know for me, networking just feels ugh, where I tend to pride myself on being resourceful and it might just be a play on words um, but I see it as how do I be as a resource for others and how do I get resourceful in terms of creating opportunities for myself? And what's funny is in that resourcefulness, I often leave off asking others for help. But but I feel like networking and kind of being able to 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 build that community for you requires everything that you're talking about. And I'd love to see or hear how you approach 
just that concept of networking and and building up a network where you have access to to jobs, to opportunities, and knowing how to leverage that and knowing how to how to be a, a, a member of that. Yeah, and I think for me, something that's been helpful is recognizing who I am, who I'm not, and finding a way to network in a way that's true to myself and enjoyable. If I don't like something, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm just not going to do it. And so you have to find a way to gamify the process. How can I make this a game? How can I make this fun? One thing I do like help doing is helping people and creating content. I love doing that. And so again, when you think about personal branding as part of the networking process, as part of the persuasive process, then it becomes a lot easier because again, I'm adding value to the community and people see that. And then when um, specific people continue to interact with the content, engage with that, then I reach out to them and I've been doing 15 minute calls, just quick 15 minute calls, schedule on my calendar. Let's do a quick 15 minute call. I can give away 15 minutes. Um, that's really not too difficult to do. If it's a great conversation, it can extend organically. If it's not, if it's a dud, then you can cut it off and all, all you left, lost was 15 minutes. <laughs> and so I don't really like doing networking events. Um, the pandemic has been fantastic in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I like to be more targeted. Um, so now I just kind of I'm more intentional about the connections that I'm making. And I, I by kind of casting a wide net by creating a lot of content, because we have the we have the TED talk, we have the book, we have the podcast, we just started a LinkedIn newsletter. Um, who knows, maybe I'll be writing for Forbes. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, all, all those different things, right? And then people start to pop up more frequently. They interact, they engage in those type of things. Then I am more in control of who I'm connecting with, and um, I think that's that's been beneficial to me. And I, yeah, I love I love that because I I feel like that goes back to uh, a little bit of of what I described of Erica is like she comes bringing the fun. Like there's you're coming bringing the content and and the information and. I sometimes call this attraction marketing where instead of, you know, having to go knock down a ton of doors, it's, I've got something. How do I make sure people know that I've got it? And the people who really need it are, you know, are going to benefit from it. And from that, people share that and they tell people. And um, I love that because it also tends to avoid having to ask for a whole lot, which I know that's the opposite of which, what this whole session is about. <laughs> um but I will say, I've, I've, and this is where it goes to that resourcefulness, is a lot of my opportunity has come from the fact that I've worked with someone, the fact that they've seen me, and there's that element of how do you leverage all that's out there now? I know social media gets such a bad rap for kind of taking away things, but I'm with you. I hate these networking events. I just eat the cheese plate, even though I'm not supposed to have dairy, and I go home. <laughs> and But these the situation where you can create the content and People are getting a sense of what you bring to the table and how you can help. Um, I think it's great. I do think you have to go that step further where you're able to really say, this is what I can do to help. This is, this is, you know, hey, bring me into this door. Here's how I can help you into that door. And that's what I loved about what, you, what, you know, when you asked, you know, pass the sugar and, hey, you know, mm -hmm. what about this? And, and, and writing for Forbes. And um, I, I love that because sometimes you can't rely on the other person really recognizing the opportunity because I think... I think that's where a lot of it is, is you see an opportunity to do something and maybe to help somebody. And the other person that, that has the door, the key to that opportunity, it may not, I, I think more often than not, it's not because they want to keep you out or that they don't care about you or that they, 
They have no interest in bringing you in. It's more because they don't see the opportunity that you see. And you're, mm-hmm. you're almost, you know, and I'm kind of talking myself through this to, to get myself better at asking for things. But the way that I'd love to phrase it is like, you're just helping them spot an opportunity that they get to be a part of that they just, they just aren't seeing themselves. And, but this isn't about you give me something and who cares about you. This is really about, I'm inviting you to be a part of something and it's something positive. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. I, the way I like to look at it uh, when I'm not thinking about it in terms of rejection therapy, um, when I'm actually making a meaningful request of somebody in my network, I think about the fact that I need to earn that request. We, one of the easiest ways to think about it is thinking about relationships like bank accounts. We are constantly making deposits in the relationship bank account. What of value are you giving to people? How are you helping them? And every time you help them, every time you have a positive interaction, every time you you help them solve a problem or whatever it might be, you're making a deposit in the relationship bank account. And then if you make enough deposits, then you have the right to make a withdrawal. And so going back to something that you mentioned, Heather, about Katie, um, you said that Katie's very, very generous, one of the most generous people you'd you know. So Katie, um, now it's time for you to make some withdrawals. You have some nice bank accounts laying around your life. (laughs) (laughs) Time to collect. uh, She's, uh, she's, I guarantee you, she's got uh, quite a bit of gold (laughs) lying around. (laughs) And I think that's of of not making um, a non-sufficient funds bank account where you you are taking, but I think the overthinkers and someone and Katie, you, you, as you say, like you're the under asker, you're the last person to withdraw to the point of non-sufficient funds in anybody. Uh, but probably because you do think about this so much, whereas others who aren't thinking about it at all are constantly overdrawing their funds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is really painting me as just the Scrooge McDuck that's swimming around in my own piles of money and not doing anything with it. So that's not, that's not ideal. Uh, but you know that it's funny that description is not that far off because the thing is when when you think about the psychology of altruism doing nice things for other people um there's there are two camps there's the camp that says okay people do nice things and uh, out of the benefit of the community to help other people and then there's another more cynical camp that says people do nice things because it makes you feel good think about the uh how hard it is to keep a secret about a gift you have for somebody on a holiday or for their birthday. Um, You're excited because it feels good to help people, right? And really, you are depriving other people from the ability to feel that goodness because you're not giving them the opportunity to help you. Oh, that's deep. Wow. That's that's a throw punch to the the do-wellers. I mean, I felt that in my soul. (laughs) Yeah. Because think about it. You want your friends to do well. And the thing is, if that person helps you to do well, it's not that you did well. Now they share in the victory. That's a win for them, too. You're giving them an opportunity to see themselves succeeding in other capacities. They feel good about it. You're not taking anything away from them. I, I think that's such a I, I mean, talk about a, a thing that for I think needs to be brought home because I'll, I'll say personally, I really struggle when um, it's one thing if someone's bringing me in and I get to help and it's what I'm meant to do. But when I'm actually struggling and someone has to help me uh, or gets to help me, it, I, I, it's, it's when can I pay them back? When can I pay them back? When can I, 
when can I make up for this? And um, I think there's some level of that in folks. And I don't know if it's gender based and I don't know if it's, you know, upbringing, based. whatever it's based on. I just know I struggle with that. Wow. I didn't have my stuff together and someone had to step in and help me. And but I know exactly what you're saying, Kwame. There's several times in my lifetime where I've had friends who were in a tough spot and I was able to be in a position to be able to help them. And it felt great. And I was just, in in my mind, it's like, you've been such a great friend to me to be able to do this one small thing feels amazing. And, um, and I don't think about it twice afterwards. I'm not sitting there going like, well, that one time I helped them. Um, and, and I know that feeling, it's just, I don't know how to receive that on a regular basis. And I don't know, Katie, if you struggle with that. Uh, yes, I am the type that will give the $20 bill over to a friend and forget that I gave it to him. But if I have borrowed that 20 from somebody, yes, it is gnawing at my mind. So yeah, I think that's, I think it's the same, uh, the same principle. And I, I'm just replaying your words, Kwame, to not overthink that my under asking is, is coming from, uh, overthinking. I have really kind of rooted myself in one of the things that uh, we were just talking about when you and Heather were discussing how to make networking and negotiation work for you. And you really kind of stated that it's rooted in your own authenticity. Go for what you like to do and what brings out the best attributes that you show to everybody around you. And that makes it feel so much more organic. If you focus like I do, on I have to ask somebody for everything. And that's the way I'm framing the entire upcoming conversation. Okay, I have to prep myself and psych myself up for asking somebody for something. That creates a level of uh, of fear, of feeling like I'm on unequal ground, everything we just described. If we come at it from a, hey, I like to do this. I know you like to do this. You like to make people feel good. You like to help people. You have a certain skill set that I would really love to, you know, get the opportunity to tell you how good you are at this. One of the reasons Heather and I are still doing this podcast is because she strokes my ego all the time about how nice nice it is that um, I love to geek out on the editing process. And I do love to geek out on the editing process. So (laughs) it's mutually beneficial to the both of us. (laughs) So coming from that place of authenticity and really um, tying in, locking into, here's what I feel very confident that I've shown you that I'm good at. And here's what I see in you, other person in the conversation, that I really love to, uh, I love to get out of our interactions. How can we collaborate on this? I guess collaboration is really, maybe if I just call it collaboration in my mind instead of <laughs> negotiation. <laughs> is that fair? Is that cheating? No, it it's not. Here's the, oh, ooh, great. I'm glad we talked about cheating. Ooh. So here's, here's something to keep in mind. Here's something to keep in mind. We don't have to win in a prescribed way. We just need to win. That's the goal, to win, right? So if we think about it, if we look at uh, the the media and we say, oh, well, the, these hard sales closers, those are the ways that they talk. I need to, I need to talk a little bit faster. I need to make my voice deeper. I need to ask really, really profound, deep questions. Are you in? Yes or no? Ooh, mm. that doesn't feel very good. <laughs> that <Yeah. laughs> felt kind of grimy. I don't like to do that. But how do I, how do I talk? That's why in the, I'm going to keep on selling these free guides. Um, we have a negotiation style guide in there that helps you to develop your own negotiation style that's authentic to you. Um, And so, yes, 
having a collaborative mentality. If that works for you, go for it. And if asking for stuff is tough, maybe you need to find a way to ask that makes more sense to you. And so something else you could do is you could say, hey, this is what I hope to accomplish. These are the challenges I'm facing. What advice would you give me? I respect you. What would, what advice do you have for me? And then they you ask, and then they give the the answer. And they might themselves say, you know, what I could do for you is this, um, right? And that might be a, a better way for you to ask. It might come off smoother. It might feel a little bit more organic and authentic. And now going back to the perception of cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about bias a lot, right? We talk about implicit bias. We often think about uh, racial bias, gender bias, those type of things. But there's also a positive bias toward the concept of natural, hmm. towards the process of something that's organic, right? So if something is labeled as organic or natural, marketers understand that it draws people to them. We don't know what e- what, what that even means. <laughs> there's not even a really clear <laughs> definition for what natural means. Um, but, but people love that word. And so when it comes to our success, there's a bias toward what is natural and think about the, the kind of ethos of America that we've all been raised on. You work hard, you get what you deserve. If you work hard, you're going to succeed and you'll, you'll get what it is that you want and deserve out of life. But we don't get what we deserve. We get what we negotiate for. And we don't see behind the scenes how those people that we look at, who we assume got there, quote unquote, naturally, those things that they needed from other people, the help that they got from other people that got them there. And so then when we find ourselves in the same position, we say, no, I shouldn't need help. I'm going to reject the help. I'm going to do it myself because I want to own this and the success will be all mine. But that's that's the wrong way to think about it. Um, we are social beings. We're primates. We're social creatures. Collaboration is the natural approach. And getting that help and asking for that help is the natural approach. So don't feel like you're cheating. It's just asking for what you want and advocating for yourself. That is, I think that's the best Um I, I I love that, that we can close out on on that concept that 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 we're just we're collaborative people and that as humans we need one another and that the negotiation part of that is in some ways it's doing our part is people don't know what you need unless you're speaking up so that they can help you and they can do their part and then vice versa then you turn around and you're available for others and that's really how community is built. Um, I love that. I, I really appreciate everything that we talked through today. And Katie, any, any last questions or anything for, for Kwame? I mean, I have so much to take away and so much homework to do as a result of this conversation, <laughs> which I am deeply appreciative of. Um, just being having the permission to reframe uh, as somebody who is an overthinker and an underasker, uh, the concept of, you know, negotiation into one that I'm organically, authentically already predisposed to engage in, which is collaboration, and just being more free to share more of myself and ask for more of the natural talents that I see in other people is just a real game changer and has really helped me uh, think a little bit differently about the approach to negotiating my way through uh, really croissants, because I really have glommed onto that pastries (laughs) analogy. Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, I think you met your goal. I think you've, uh, I think you 
moved her from being an under-asker. There we I'm go. That's a win. Pastries. Yes. <laughs> I will be downloading that negotiation style guide uh, that is being made available for free at AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide. Uh, I'm so excited. Kwame, thank you so much for sharing that resource for our listeners. Uh, and also want to shout out that uh, through the American Negotiation Institute, you are offering conflict resolution and negotiating trainings. Is that right? That's correct. Excellent. Please also look up Kwame's book, Finding Confidence in Conflict, available wherever books are sold. And sign up for his, uh, sorry, subscribe to his podcast, Negotiate Anything, to hear more pearls of wisdom and uh, and some action items for you overthinkers like me. Uh, guess what? You have a new subscriber uh, on the call right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so we want to hear from you. If you have a question or a story you want to share that uh, has to do with your uh history in negotiating, your questions about negotiating, you want to tell us what's on your mind, you want to share your opinion, ask for what you want. Tweet us at LMTP Consulting, message us on Instagram, low man on the totem pole, all one word, or email us at lmtppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Kwame, so much for being our guest today. Uh, I learned so much. I'm so excited to hear from our listeners uh, what they're taking away from this uh, from this episode as well. And thank you guys for joining us. Bye. Bye. Bye.